and those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verde mean it's time for another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level. Frank Crivello here, glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us. What a weekend it has been in Serie A. We had four big games. We had nine altogether with one yet to be played on Monday. And as Serie A has been doing all season long, 28 more goals. Uh, so much to cover. We're very recap heavy. Uh, we've got uh, the European uh, competitions to talk about, and we've got a little bit of a preview of next week with Napoli and Inter. Uh, joining me and uh, helping me go through this, as always, the co-host of the Serie A sit-down, the very fresh Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <sighs> hey, Frank. <laughs> How you doing, man? You just, you, just you, you know, what... You were making reference to Maryland's college uniforms and describing them as fresh, and fresh hasn't been used as a slang word in like nearly 30 years. Well, it, shows I, what, it shows what kind of TV shows I watch. It shows, <laughs> yeah, it does. It shows what kind of TV. I had to go back and listen to Boogie Down Productions. There you and, go. You know, Big Daddy Kane and Eric B. and Rakim and the hip-hop of those days just to kind of, after I read that, because it's like, you know, it's making me miss that a little bit. So, um, Bringing it back. You know, yeah, you know, if you're trying to bring it back, try to bring it back. You know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with it. Maybe it will catch on. I don't think it's going to catch on starting with this pod, though. No, maybe not. <laughs> so, <clears throat> oh man, all kinds of fired up. What a weekend, huh? Twenty eight goals in nine games. Yeah, this it puts Syria on the, uh, you know, put in the spotlight really with all these four big matchups, you know, and the other games really. Um, people got to see some really good football. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely, and. uh you know, we had four big games, and then uh, some of the some of what we would say is the undercard didn't particularly disappoint, with the exception of one match, yeah. um, which we'll have a uh, full comprehensive recap on for you later. Um, <laughs> but uh, when uh, you could have four marquee games here, Richard, but when it is the Derby della Madonnina, that has to headline it, no matter who else is playing who on the slate. It's the center stage, no matter it what. It is the center. It is the center stage, and they took center stage. Uh, Sunday night at the Giuseppe Miazza, uh, the most anticipated Derby della Madonnina in years. Both teams now owned by the Chinese, both teams investing, uh, star talent on both sides of the pitch, uh, sellout crowd at the San Siro, full of atmosphere, just about everything we could have anticipated. Let's run through the recaps on this. Very balanced game uh, in, in the opening quarter. Uh, and it remained like that for a little bit, and then uh, Inter was able to get some uh, freedom there down the right-hand side, and it was Antonio Candreva finding who else? A viaggiare sulla destra ancora una volta Candreva, palla dentro Icardi, il gol dell'Inter, passa in vantaggio l'Inter, la zampata di Mauro Icardi, ventottesimo minuto, Inter in vantaggio. Mauro Icardi, you're going to hear more from this, more from him in this highlight reel uh, as we go, but that opened the scoring, one goal to nil. Um, Richard, on this one, uh, the def- Bonucci and Musacchio got grilled for their positioning. Uh, but come on, world-class cross from Antonio Candreva and a nice tidy finish from Mauro Icardi. Sometimes you just throw your arms in the air and say, well done, right? Yeah, when, I, when a play like that happens, there's ultimately no one in the world that can stop a cross like that. And then Icardi is going to do what he's going to do in front of the net and he's going to finish. Um, so all props to enter for that. Uh, Candreva with a beautiful, beautiful pass. Did you find this to be a uh, like kind of a chess match, a tug of war prior to that goal being scored between these two teams? I thought really so. Felt, really felt balanced uh, in those first 
you know, 25 plus minutes. It's a big derby and teams are trying to feel each other out. Nobody wants to make the first mistake. So it's a lot of hesitancy there and very much, very much so a chess match. You know, nobody, like I said, nobody wants to make the big mistake. And so everyone's just trying to be very strategic in how they pass. And it's going to be a very tight game as it, you know, as any big game would be. The goal really put a little bit of a shift in the confidence of the two teams. Inter looking a little bit more confident. Milan looking like they had been gut punched. We, we had this discussion about them in the defeat. Uh, against against Roma, although the the discussion that nobody heard because we couldn't get the recording through, but <laughs> but anyway, we were looking at this situation and saying, uh oh, this is uh, this is Milan having a hard time reacting to conceding a goal again, uh, and it went into halftime and to the surprise of everybody, uh, if you went to Twitter and particularly me, uh, Montella does make a change. We thought there would be a change. We thought maybe Fabio Barini would come off. Uh, right. But it was Patrick Cutroni who came on, and it was Frank Kessie uh, who who was substituted. What did you think at the time? What was your reaction when you saw that? I thought Montella had lost his mind because Kessie is one of the best players of the season so far, and to take him out in a big game like that where you need defensive presence in the midfield, it's kind of shocking. You're like, what is he thinking? But um, it paid off ultimately. I mean, what did you think when you saw the, when the substitution? I went, I went insane. <laughs> I was like. I, you know, no, not Kessie. Take off Barini. I, I, yeah, had, I, had, I had said on Twitter, I said that this team could go to four in the back with Musacchio on the right dealing with Patisic. You don't have to have him go forward. And then you could have Suso play high and right. And it's not important for Musacchio to step forward and join that attack. Suso could go 1v1 with Nagatomo and we yep. should be fine there. Yep. But this is what, uh, this is what Montella chose to do. And he is with his team every day and, he sees what's going on a hell of a lot more than we do. Uh, so, yeah, to your point, uh, it, it, it would turn out to pay off because Milan got relentless going forward, started generating chance after chance. Musacchio getting a goal after some great work from Andre Silva that was rightfully called back for offside, but it wouldn't take too much longer after that. The little Spaniard of Milan popping up. Suso si accentra, palla sul sinistro, Suso, palla a giro, ancora una volta, è Suso, l'uomo derby per il Milan, pareggio del Milan, 1-1, Suso, terzo gol di Suso nel derby in carriera. Suso finding some space and getting a goal to equalize this derby uh, at one apiece at, at the 56th minute. Gosh, I, I just kept saying on Twitter, get Suzo high and right. Get him in the spaces where Nagatomo is. Let him take him on. Let him do that work. That's where he's the most dangerous. Jeez. <laughs> so, thankfully, Montella watches the same stuff we do, right? That or listens to our pod, maybe. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be. Maybe he does listen to our pod. I don't know if he knows. I don't know what. I don't know how his English is. So, um, so we'll see. But that uh, that got the Milan fans, the minority of Milan fans that were at the crowd. This was an inter home match. Uh, going and then uh, just a few minutes later, after Milan were all over the place, Lucas Bilia got the ball stuck to his foot, had it taken away from him. A nice little counterattack from Inter. It was Perisic taking Musacchio end line and cutting it back for who else? Perisic si porta sul fondo. Perisic Icardi che gol! Mamma mia! Passa in vantaggio l'Inter ancora una volta, ancora una volta con Icardi. A brace for Moro Icardi. Okay, Richard, now we can be critical of Leonardo Benucci. That was brutal, brutal marking. Yeah, when you, when you, when you think you're signed one of the best defenders in the world, you expect that a kind of uh, lacks, la, lap in judgment and, and defense not to happen. Uh, but Benucci seemed to be having a lot of these this season. Maybe he's adjusting to his new teammates. I'm not sure. That's not a good enough excuse for me, though. 
Lefty Cardi there, and what a brilliant finish. Uh, it was like a jumping scissor kick with the outside of his boot to go to far side. So, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Icardi had a little bit to do there. He sure did. Yeah, um, but still, he shouldn't have been open. Like no, you said. he shouldn't. He shouldn't have been open. He should have been accounted for. And that was the immediate thing I thought when I saw the goal happen. I said, well, what's going on in our tactics that we just leave a Cardi free in the box? That Milan leave a Cardi free in the box. I forget I'm a host of a Serie A podcast. I'm just getting fired up as a Milan fan. I keep saying we. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, uh, and Muzakio, he didn't look that good against uh, Perisic there on the cross. Uh, he, he was almost left for dead in the water. You know, Perisic created just enough room where he could get that ball across. And like I said, you know, Cardi was wide open, so... Just a little error in his positioning. I think he anticipated Perisic to try to cut inside for the shot. And yeah. he, I think he was, the way he positioned himself, I think he was okay with Perisic going ahead and going end line. Um, but either block the cross or trust that your fellow defenders are going to be there to mark a guardian and get it cleared away for you if that's going to happen. So, exactly. Um, you know, yeah, the, posi- the positioning from Benucci just didn't make sense to me at all because if that ball comes across flat, it, you know, where Bonucci was, that's why that's that's why we have Donnarumma. That's why Milan have Donnarumma. He can jump out on he can jump on it and take it. You know, man, Mark Icardi in that situation. It was just uh, just a surprise there. But uh, another nice finish from Moro Icardi. Our prediction for Capo Canonieri, by the way. Um, that's right. Yep. Moving on, this game would have another twist in the plot in the 81st minute. Fabio Barini finding some space across, getting past both forwards, but not getting past Jack Bonaventura. Il cross di Borini, il controllo, non ci arriva nessuno, il gol, probabilmente il gol di Bonaventura, il pallone è entrato, il pallone è entrato, infatti c'è il pareggio, il pareggio, la gioia di Giacomo Bonaventura. That ended up being an own goal to Handanovic as uh, it was first effort from uh, Bonaventura uh, and then uh, it hit Handanovic's knee and then rolled into the goal. Regardless, it was 2-2. <coughs> Game looking for... Some sort of a climax or possibly both teams being ready to settle for a point. Inter getting a corner late in the game. Uh, it got headed over to the far end of the post uh, where Rodriguez, Ricardo Rodriguez was caught grabbing Danilo D'Ambrosio. D'Ambrosio uh, goes to ground. Referee gives a penalty and uh, Moro Icardi stepped up for his Hattie. La rincorsa di Icardi, calcia col destro, va Icardi, il gol del 3-2, passa in vantaggio l'Inter per la terza volta in questa partita, al novantesimo, il gol di Mauro Icardi, tripletta di Mauro Icardi. That goal breaking Milan hearts after a very impressive comeback, not once but twice, Inter getting all three points and in second by themselves uh, after the win on 22 points under... Uh, under Luciano Spalletti and winning this match 3-2. Let's look at it from Inter's perspective. First, Richard, Spalletti really is making a difference here, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, I've all, uh, last season we kept talking about how the managers didn't, couldn't get it right, the players didn't play well under them. Uh, tactically, they were all over the place. But Spalletti seems to have righted the ship. Um, the guys are playing even better you know, attacking-wise than they did last year. And defensively, they seem, they're one of the best defenses in, the, in, in Serie A this season. And for good reason, is because you know Spalletti's got them in the right place, playing the right way. Tactically, they're you know not flawless, but they're playing very well. So, uh, all, I mean, all credit has to go to Spalletti, I think. Um, I agree with that. Uh, although, I mean, great enter on this. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, this match. Uh, yeah, this match. I mean. Yeah, it's a derby, it's a win, but I mean, when you actually look at it from an overall performance, because 
the first half they took advantage. They took the lead. Second half, we can talk. We we thought that Milan was the better team. Yeah. Um, you know, this was an opportunistic Inter more than it was a dominant Inter. And I think that in these in recent games, Inter have been more opportunistic than they've been dominant. And you're only going to be able to take advantage of being opportunistic so long in this league. What did what? Great great Inter today, really. After I mean, despite the win, uh, despite which is the most important thing. Uh, how would you have how would you grade them overall on a scale of one to ten? One to ten, I'd give me probably like a five or six. Honestly, I mean probably six just because they won. Um, you see, we see Inter play a lot better this season and were dominant in games. This game wasn't so much, and it was they almost were on the back foot the whole time. And because of that, just the fact you know they did come away with a win, I'll give them an extra point for that. But I mean overall, it was just a so so performance. I wasn't too impressed. Um, as worse than what I expected. I expected them to be in the home team and. And being on fine form to like really dominate this game, especially possession wise, and they didn't do that. What about you? I'm gonna. You're harsh. <laughs> I am. I am. Uh, yeah, um, I'm gonna say seven. Um, you, just because it's a win against the Derby, and you just put yourself ten points ahead of Milan, and you know that's just what happens if you're getting outplayed and if you're getting outpossessed, uh, and the other team's creating more chances, getting more corners. You still find opportun- You still try and find opportunities to win. Um, you know the first goal, just genius between Kandreva and Icardi. Second goal, they got some help from some poor Milan defending. Uh, you know, third goal, the penalty from Ricardo Rodriguez, who showed all game long he is a liability defending corners. Um, you know, you know, and I'm, I might be a little bit picky here about Inter just because I'm a Milan fan, and people are going to listen to this and think I'm seeing the world through red and black colored glasses. But when you evaluate this performance altogether, the first up until Icardi's goal, uh, it was ba- the game was balanced. The first the first goal yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. The rest of the first half you can give the edge to Inter, but the second half Milan had all of the ball. They had a lot more of the chances. They made two awful mistakes in the second half, and Inter capitalized on them. And I'm still trying to figure out if this is, you know, if this is a really good team or if this is a team that's just taking advantage of opponents' mishaps. Um, you know mm-hmm. that's the that's where I'm at with Inter right now, and I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to blast Inter at every turn. You know th- that's not what I'm trying to do here. This is my legitimate feeling about them. I think Spalletti has certainly made a difference here. Um, I think Mauro Icardi, when he's on, he's one. Of the, he is one of the best strikers in the world, and I would have him on my team in a heartbeat. But I don't know what I've got with Inter yet. You yeah, know, that's that's fair. Um, but I think also you have to think about. You know, a good team will find a way to win no matter what. Agreed. Inter is not looking good, but they found ways to score. They found a way to win. So, I mean, look, look at Juventus. Juventus, in the past six years, they've won titles. They haven't looked perfect all those years. They had, they had to find ways. And, I mean, to, be, to, win, to win the Scudetto, you have to, you have to equal out points. You have to be ugly sometimes. Uh, and Inter did it today. They were ugly, but they did it. So, I think the ultimate end result was, you know, is what they, was in, in their favor, obviously. Um, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't the way they would have wanted to win? They probably would have wanted to win like four nothing or something, or you know, keep a keep a clean sheet, and they're far from doing that. The more I watch Milan Skriniar, the more I'm impressed. What do you think? Yeah, he's a good player. He's got a good pickup for Inter for sure. And the two goals, the two goals they conceded are not an indictment of his game. Um, no, no, no. You know, uh, the, the players around uh, you know Nagatomo and that they were beaten, and then you go and you look at um, you go and you look at uh, the second goal. It's he 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 had he was marking his forward. It was the uh, it was D'Ambrosio who let uh, Bonaventura get behind him. Yeah. So yeah, you know he has been a real find, a nice get there 
you know, first Paletti's side. Uh, and I thought that he was, I thought that he was solid in this game. Obviously, Icardi with the hat trick. I think there was just some individual individualism here from Inter that, uh, you know, that took over the game. And like I said, that's where I'm, I'm giving them a seven. I think, you know, they're a, they're taking advantage of opportunities. They're not necessarily playing dominant football like you see from Monopoly, uh, you know, or anybody like that. But still, I mean. You don't you don't care how the sausage gets made when you win seven games and draw one out of eight. You know? Exactly, exactly. Uh, as long as it tastes good, you just enjoy it and you move on. So um, it's uh, and and I think that's the way maybe inter things look at it, and I think it's a glasses half full approach uh, for the Nerazzurri. You you look at it and say, yeah, we've got some shortcomings and we still got some things to overcome, but we beat Milan in the derby, um, and that's what it really comes down to for them. Let's flip. Let's let's look at it from our side. Um, is Vincenzo Montella in trouble? There was lots of talk. A couple of stories broke that he doesn't win this one. He's gone. Uh, to me, that would be a grave mistake. Um, but uh, assess Vincen- Vincenzo Montella here, and uh, is he really under that kind of pressure now after this loss? Like you, uh, during the game, I got a lot of messages from Milanisti, and they were saying, you know, this is his last game. He's done. He's done. I'm like, no, come on, slow your roll. Uh, you know, I, I can see from a, you know, a fan perspective, a passionate side, you you want the best all the time. And if you lose to your rivals, especially, you got to, you know, you got to make changes. Mm-hmm. I don't think that. I think that's a little drastic. Uh, Montello, Montello is a little bit behind schedule, you know, maybe in our estimation. But it, like you said, there are 11 new players. It's it's hard to get them to gel quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, best case scenario was with the schedule they had, which they did, and you, we thought maybe that would have helped, you know, get them in going, you know, playing as a one a cohesive unit. But it obviously it's taking a little bit more time than expected. Um, Montella, he did okay. I mean, the substitution worked out for him, and you know, I thought he was crazy when he made the substitution at halftime, but it paid off. So he is doing some things very well. He still has to figure out this three-five-two formation or how he wants to use Suzo, um, who he wants to have on the on the flanks. You know, losing Andrea Conti definitely hurts the team uh, defensively, uh, and also also in the offensive game because you got to have Barini out there on the right wing, which I think mm-hmm. is a mistake. But I think Montella is still in his time. I don't think he's in a hot seat, in my opinion. I think you know, you know, let's see, let's see where they are at January. Then from there, you know, I'm sure they're still going to be in the in the thick of it. I'd, I'd at least give him for at least till the end of the season. I want to see what the, what he can do, um, how he predict. In Europa League, they're playing really well, so you know. Just so slow your roll, everybody. Just take it easy. Relax. Yep. Give him time. Here's, here's my take. It's eight games. Exactly. It's only been eight games. There's 30, 30 left. games left. Okay? There is 30 games left. Teams are going to have dips in form that are ahead of them. Teams behind them are going are gonna, to are gonna rise up a little bit. Okay? What you have to do with Milan at this point all right, is, all right, look at the wins that they've got. And, and they've won some games here. Spal, Udinese, these are games that they drew or lost in years past. Yes. And we might sit here right now and say, well, with the team we've got, we should be winning those games. Yes, I agree. Okay? You know, I also thought a few years ago, uh, you know, the Milan teams under Sadorf, under Inzaghi, under Mihailovic should always be winning those games. So, you know, now they're winning those games. That's phase one. Phase two, the tougher opponents, all right? And let's look at it. At Lazio, got tagged, deserved to get tagged. Very disappointing. At Sampdoria, we're learning that Sampdoria is a pretty good team. Yes, we um, are. And we, you know, Milan looked listless in that game, uh, you know, looked short of ideas. Roma, there was a fight. They 
you know, they played hard, okay? Uh, they played well. 70th minute, Jekko scores a worldie, gut punch. Uh, you know, the house of cards broke apart. Just, you know, it, it happens. All right. Inter fell behind, came back, fell behind, came back, outplayed them in the second half and maybe deserved to get a win out of it. Certainly deserved to get a point out of it. Okay. So the big games, it has been a progression. It has been an upward progression. Maybe it hasn't been wins. Okay. But it has been an upward progression. And you have got to, in, in, in the big games like this, when you are starting with as many as nine to 10 new starters, Okay, this is what you have to look at as much as it pains you, as much as you hate looking at the table and seeing Milan in 10th. It's not fire Montella. Okay, and it's not, you know, we're back to being we, we, we didn't need to spend somebody said on Twitter. We really didn't need to spend over 200 million euros to be a mid table. We could have kept who we had. All right. It's not that. All right. You have to expect some growing pains. You have to expect. And I'm seeing a progression in these big games. All right. Zero points out of those four, and that's ultimately the bottom line because that's the business end of it, sure. Okay? I won't argue with somebody who's frustrated about that kind of thing. All right? And I don't blame them for being frustrated. However, however, big picture. All right? This is a team that is making progress. And look who's right? ahead of them on the table. Kievo, Torino, Bologna. Relax. Those, don't get those, past those guys. Exactly. Those teams Easy. always have a dip in form, and they're not as good as they're playing right now. So just relax. All right? Easy. This is a progression. This is taking longer than we all wanted. That's all that's going on here. Okay. I personally hoped by the time it was Roma at home, things were sorted. There was an identity and this team's ready to go. Today I saw Milan with identity. Today I saw Milan with purpose. Today I just saw Milan that didn't get the result. Yep. Happens. Happens. Okay. It happens. Montella shouldn't be fired. All right. He's, he's doing fine. I think he can do better. I think he knows he can do better. All right. But he's doing fine. Be totally catastrophic to uh, cut bait with him now. And Fasoni and Mirabelli, so far, they've come off as very smart people. They're not going to do it. So for all of you Milan Twitter guys, I'm talking to you if you listen to this pod. You want to jump ship right now because you're not happy? Jump ship. Go support another team. Okay? Actually, continue to support. Your, your tweets make me laugh. <laughs> it's entertaining for me. It's entertaining. Actually, I don't know. Should, should they jump ship or should they stay on board? What do you think? You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they're made of. You, if you jump ship, you know you never really are a true fan. You know, if you're if you're a true fan, you save the team through thick <coughs> and thin. Um, so you know, I kind of like reading these tweets as well. You know, makes it's kind of it's a good laugh. You know, it's, I mean, it's good to see that you're not the, your team's not the only one that's crazy, or other teams are the only one that's crazy. Look at the performance. Okay, Bonucci's making mistakes, but you, you look at Bonucci's track record. He is a still one of the best defenders in the world. He'll get better. He will get this sorted out. Okay, Musacchio. You know, Bonucci Romagnoli, once they all get this figured out, we're going to be in the spring with clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet. Hey, remember when we had all the struggles and gave up three goals to enter? Good times, weren't they? You know, that's what we're going to be saying. You know, can but I, can I make a, a quick shout out? This is for Carlo Vallardes. You know, you asked earlier on Twitter, you know, do I still think, do we still think, you know, Frank and I, if Bonucci is better than Sergio Ramos? Yes, I, I still do. I still do. Now, Ramos is a better finisher goal-wise. He's a better leaper, but I got, I'll, I'll take Bonucci all day. Now, because of his performance today and because of that second goal he conceded, I did make us go look to, good. It doesn't make us look good. Yeah, I did, I did go to Twitter and conduct a poll, and this was just kind of, a, this was kind of out of frustration. I did, you know, but, you know, I should have expected people to vote because they, I should have expected people to vote, and they did. 
Um, <laughs> I put, I put a poll on Twitter and I said, I said, who's a better defender right now at the moment, Leonardo Benucci or a turnstile? And I'm pulling this up right now to just try to see turnstile. who is, uh, you know, who is winning that. Yeah. Oh gosh, there's been a, a turnstile, seventy nine percent. Wow, we got some fickle dudes out there in Milan Twitter. Don't we? <laughs> I think a lot so. of Inter, Inter fans follow you too. <laughs> that could be it, and Juve, and Juve fans. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's uh, that's painful for for Benucci. But no, they'll get the they'll get it figured out. All right, they have to. You got to look at their track record. You can't ignore the track record of those defenders. They'll get it figured out. Okay, this to me, aside from the blunder, this was Lucas Bilia's best game in a Milan shirt. Um, the way he helped us keep the ball, the way he was trying to dictate things, I thought, what do you think? I thought this was his best Milan game so far. Um, take the, if, if you take that blunder away where the ball got stuck under his feet and intercountered and, and went ahead 2-1. Yeah, yeah, he's finally found his, his feet at Milan, which is good to see. I mean, yeah. wrong game to have a blunder, but, you know, I'll take it. Suzo got back to being Suzo. Jack was yes. terrific. I mean, it was yes. coming along. And Andre Silva finally got some opportunity to show he, what he could do. Yeah. You know, and I thought that he – I. I he didn't get a goal. He deserved a goal out of the game, but he played well. So I agree with you. Milan fans, R-E-L-A-X, in the words of some poor bastard who broke his collarbone today <laughs> yeah. um, in another sport. So <laughs> people in my state are all acting like their lives are over with right now, by the way. so But that's for another sport, and that's not what we do a podcast on. But most people will probably catch our drift um, by what I'm referring to. Uh, so... Anyway, so that's the that's the scoop on the Milan Derby. I mean, plenty to get riled up about, of course. Um, but uh, you know, congratulations to Inter, great win, great great job in pulling it out. We still don't know what we have with you yet, Milan. It's getting better now. They're now now these games have to be wins. That game against Juventus at the end of the month, get something out of it to show that this is validated. You know, and then. Then maybe there's some progress, and Milan can get some get some movement and some forward traction. So, um, your thoughts on the derby? Uh, go to at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and this is just scratching the surface of Match Week Eight, Richard. Let's get into the rest of it, huh? Yes, let's do. All right. Oh boy, and the fun began on Saturday. Uh, we had the Champions League team, a couple of the Champions League teams, actually all the Champions League teams in action on Saturday with all with uh, relatively uh, challenging tilts coming up in the Champions League at midweek, which we'll talk about later. The fun began with Juventus playing host to Lazio. Last time these two teams played each other, we saw, we saw Lazio take Juventus apart in the Coppa Italia final. Uh, Big game here for for each team. Lazio really trying to have that signature win. I mean, they beat Milan at home, which by brand name you could look at that. But, wow, this could really validate the job that Simone Inzaghi has done uh, at Lazio with a win. For Juventus, it's Juventus at home. The script says they're supposed to get something out of it, but there's 90 minutes of football to play, and they had to play it. And it was Juventus that was looking the part after about the first quarter of this game. In minute 23... One of their new boys popped up. Ancora Samoa, con un po' di spazio, potrebbe crossare, arriva adesso il cross, la conclusione, pallone che rimane lì, e poi Douglas Costa. 
Douglas Costa on the score sheet for the old lady. Uh, this is why this is why you got depth in your attack. This is why you got dynamism in your attack, Richard. A guy like Douglas Costa popping in and scoring a goal here for Juventus. Yeah, he was right there for the rebound. Perfect opportunity and just boom, put it yep. right back on that. Yep, absolutely. So that put that put Juventus up in front. It was one nil at halftime. Lazio making some adjustments in the second half and. Guess who can't stop scoring for the Bianca Celeste? Milinkovic Savic, Luis Alberto, per Immobile! Il pareggio della Lazio con Ciro Immobile! Ciro Immobile popping up right after halftime with a goal to equalize uh, against Juve. Uh, brilliant through pass played into him. Um, was that was that was Serhey, wasn't it? Uh, Sir, Sergei Milinkovic Savic, uh, he passed it to uh, Luis Alberto, who did yes. a nice little slide. And Luis pass Alberto played it, slid yes. it through, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, so that made it 1 1, and just minutes later, a little bit of the skirmish in the penalty area, uh, and Chiro Immobile would get his brace. Arriva il fischio, parte Immobile, va Immobile! 2 1 Lazio, Lazio in avanti, Lazio che ribalta la partita all'Allianz Stadium. Say it ain't so, Juventus trailing at the J. Lazio pulling ahead 2-1 on that penalty. The game would be tight. There would be chances on both ends. Uh, Paulo Dybala late on hitting the post. Then there was a collision uh, involving Federico Bernardeschi, and uh, one that ended up going to VAR. And VAR decided, just like they did in the Atalanta game, they said, nope, we need to get Juventus a chance to salvage, some, salvage a point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I thought I thought it was a great tackle. I thought it was a brilliant challenge. Uh, the ball was won. You could clearly see it. Uh, only the high ups, you know, who are in the back pocket, who have who have Juventus <laughs> in the back pocket, or Juventus have them in their back pocket, are saying, "Nope, that's a penalty. Get Dybala up there." Thankfully, thankfully, justice prevailed. Dybala did take the penalty. It was a well-struck penalty. It was an even better save from, save from Strakosha. The last action of the game, Lazio with their signature win of the season, winning at the J, two goals to one. Richard, they now have three points that maybe nobody else on this slate that they're going to be competing with for a Champions League spot will have this season. Yeah, that's a little uh, wild card that you have that – the win at Juventus. I mean, who can? How many people? How many teams have said that in the last year? Mm. Uh, yeah. No one said in the last exactly. year. Exactly. In at least a couple of years since Juventus has lost, I think that's what a forty-four match unbeaten run. Yeah, something crazy uh, like that. And yeah. FJ coming to an end uh, at the hands of Lazio. Um, Simone Inzaghi, very much, <laughs> very much. If he's not the uh, early manager of the year, he is on a very, very short list, isn't he? Oh yeah, exactly. He's, he's picking up from where he left off last year. I mean, I, I thought Lazio was going to be on a little bit of a dip of form this year, and they're just continue on from what they did last year. And Immobile is still on fire. This guy has been on fire for like two years now. He now takes over the Capocannoniere lead on eleven goals over. Paulo Dybala, uh, Ray Dybala's performance in this one. The missed penalty, obviously, people are going to remember. I thought he was, I thought he was okay. 
Yeah. I don't think it was vintage Dybala at the J. But he had, a, he had a good shot at the end where it hit the post. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was his opportunity to tie the game. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was an okay performance. You know, especially being at home, he's normally dominant in these games at home, and he just didn't—he didn't look like his normal self at home. So it's curious. I don't know. Maybe just, it was Lazio just uh, playing playing him very well. Lazio. Now let's look at this from Juventus's perspective. Um, meaningful games for them. Uh, at Barcelona, at Atalanta, and you know, home against Lazio. Really, when you look at it, one point from those three games. I think the rest of the games on their slate so far have been okay. You should win those games. You know, right. the only the only team that registered a blip out of the rest of them was Fiorentina, who okay, they're they're restructuring and they're reorganizing. And Juventus had a very resourceful one uh, nil win in that game. Um, you know, against La Viola. Uh, but now when they're being pushed against some, here, does it start to concern you as a Juventus supporter that when they're being pushed against, against some tougher competition that, uh, they're starting to be, there's, there's starting to be some issues with this team. Um, you know, I think, I think half the, half the fans are probably going to say yes. Uh, you know, you you had some big games and you've proven you had goose eggs basically in all of them. Um, so that's got to be concerning for those fans. They, I'm sure they're worried, like, okay, what's going on? We lost a lot of players in the, in the summer, and this team doesn't seem right. But then you got the other half who I'm sure are going to say, well, you know, Juventus still had their chances. They hit the post with Dybala. Iguain nearly had had one off an error from Sarkosha. Um, so, I mean, I can, see, I can see it going both ways. Juventus don't look right, in my opinion, to where they were last year. Maybe it's just early season, you know, jitters. I don't know. Um, but those, you know, the three games that you mentioned, um, they didn't they didn't fare too well. It's got to be concerning, but it's still early. I mean, I don't think anyone's heads on the block. I don't think um, you're gonna make any drastic mo- uh, drastic changes in the lineup. I think it's just the team will come together. Um, this need more time. You know, you don't you wouldn't think you'd say that with Juventus, but uh, I mean, every team's gonna have to has have their time with it. You know. I guess they're dip in form, and maybe this is Juventus right now, early season. They've 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 not you know they've they've uh, well, well historically started slow in, in seasons, um, and maybe this is how they're starting right now. It's a, another slow start, and they're not playing well up to their standard, up to the Juventus standard. No, they. Um, if if this is a Juventus title winning team, it's going to be the one that won in 2015-2016, where a little slow out of the blocks and taking yes. them some time and taking them some you know, adapting and things like that. They're getting it done against the teams they're supposed to. The bigger games, they're having their struggles. Um, you know, but if, if they're if they're anything like that team from two years ago, they'll eventually get it figured out. So, yeah. um, you know, do you think they had one eye on this game against Sporting coming up with how important that one is? I think they did. I mean, I, I know they probably still also had the Supercopa in, in their, their head from early in the season when they lost to Lazio. So I mean I know they wanted revenge on that and they didn't want to lose at home but I'm sure they were looking ahead they're like okay well this is a, we're at the home this is a this is a shoe in this is look ahead to Champions League I'm sure a few guys were thinking about that and you know a little distraction against a good team is going to is going to show and and it did it, it did today for sure and your boy uh, Malinkovic Savic uh, he just he's getting better and better with every game what a what a season he's having I mean we've got some midfielders in this league that are just popping up and playing brilliant football right now oh. um you know, you talk about Milinkovic Savic, Torero over there at Sampdoria. Um, you know, we've saw it, we've seen bits from Mandragora, from uh, from Crotone. Uh, you know, midfielders that are popping up at some of these, uh, you know, you know, at some of these other teams, but some of the popular teams as well. Uh, it's, uh, you know, 
you're only just adding to the you know to the spice of this league. And you talk about uh, all of the attackers that 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 Syria offer, and certainly the defenders and goalkeepers. But boy, there have been some performances uh, from some of these guys playing in the middle of the park. And again, another another big game from Sergei Milinkovic Savic and. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Lotito is either watching him fi- saying, I, "I've, I've got to figure out how to hang on to this guy," or, "God, I can't wait to cash in on him." <laughs> so, um, you know, unfortunately, I don't know if he's a Lazio guy much longer. Uh, you know, after this season, I know I, in the summer there was already talk about him moving on to Juventus. I think uh, Agnelli was sitting there in the crowd watching him and saying, "Yeah, I'm going to buy this guy next summer." <laughs> so, yeah, it's like this guy is co- sign right here. Here's a big check, Cohen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking on Juventus, um, and take away the sporting. I mean, their their next three Serie A fixtures. Adunanese, who they had all kinds of problems with last year in both games. Um, Spall, they get at home, hmm. which you should expect three points. But Spall isn't making life easy on anybody right now. And then at Milan, if we think Milan are progressing to what they could become, that will that could possibly be a huge game, a, a pivotal game for both teams' respective ambitions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's going to get very, very interesting. And then, you you know, that's all sandwiched in between the two games against Sporting, which could decide their place uh, in the – whether or not they'll have a place in the knockouts in the Champions League uh, round of 16 because Sporting has shown so far they are not going to be a pushover. They uh, – yeah. uh, it, it, it took an own goal for Barcelona to beat them on match day two. So, and we were here, um, you know, shooing in uh, Barca and Juventus, you know, oh, they're going to second round easily. Nope. Uh, Sporting have come to play. Uh, Strakosha, yes. is he taking this job away from Federico Marchetti for uh, Lazio? He should. I mean, he's played lights out this season, I thought. And I, I know Marchetti's like dropped off the face of the earth, but, you know, why do you have to worry about him when you got Strakosha in net? He's played as well, if not better, than Marchetti has, you know, in the past. So, you know, I think he's the future right now. He's the now and the future. I mean, he made some fantastic saves. He had a good save on Iguain late in the game. Uh, he's keeping his team in the game every single time out. We had, I know we had somebody asking us on Twitter, when's he coming back? Why do you want him back on on the strength of how your coach has been playing? Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of our that's kind of our answer to that. Even so, if he comes back, I keep Strakosha in net. Oh yes. So I, I, I would too. He's been uh he's been in good form. He seems to have that defense in front of him, you know, believing what he expects of him. So, you know, if it ain't broke as far as Strakosha's concerned, don't fix it. So all right, should we move on? Yeah, yeah, let's move on. All right, there's there's another big game going on. Yeah, what do you got for me? I mean, after that crazy game at Juventus and Lazio, you know, what other what what, what better way to you know to follow that up than Roma against Napoli? Uh, the game was at Stadio Olimpico. Uh, lot, you know, a lot of uh, excitement for this game. Two fun teams. Two teams are playing very very well at the moment. Napoli, which started out seven and zero. Roma, as we know, they had a few you know. Uncomfortable minutes at Inter, but since then have been on fire. Um, our, our our buddy to Scott, to our buddy at Syria sit down. Scott Monroe was live at the game. He was tweeting out pictures of the crowd. The, the crowd looked amazing there. Um, you know the game. You know started out back and forth. Napoli, you know started out with the with the, the advantage with the possession. Um, a little passing and who was it? I think it was De Rossi who ended up giving a pass to Lorenzo Insigne in, in the in front of the in front of the in the box and. Lorenzo Insigne does what Lorenzo Insigne has been doing all season long. Insigne insieme a lui Mertens che riceve palla in area, si vuole girare Mertens, serve Insigne, un rimpallo Insigne! 
Lorenzo Insigne non aveva mai segnato contro la Roma. Scorn a goal to give uh, the Partenope a 1-0 lead. Score say like that till halftime. Um, the sad second... thing, let me jump in on that. The sad yeah. thing is, is that might be the best assist Daniele De Rossi has all season. I know. <laughs> I saw. I had to look at it twice because at first I was like, "That wasn't De Rossi, was it?" Yes, it was. <laughs> and the unfortunate part for De Rossi, this might be his worst game. How ever, he uh, how he season. split his own how he split his own defense with that pass. I've now seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had to sit at halftime worrying about that pass, and I'm sure his teammates were looking like, "What the heck was that, buddy?" Um, but you know, the, Roma came out in the second half and they came to play. I thought the momentum slowly sort of shifted to Roma throughout the second half. Napoli still had a majority of possession, but it was a, as a good back and forth game, chances both ways. Allison made some good saves. Pepe Reina had a great save on, uh, on Fazio towards the end of the game, as well as, uh, there's one other, one other shot that, uh, Jekyll, Jekyll had a header maybe 10 minutes later after the Fazio shot that Pepe Reina, you know, part away. Uh, it was a good back and forth game. Ultimately, Napoli did get the three points. Uh, it wasn't as high scoring as everybody anticipated. At least at Syria sit down, we were hoping for at least five, six goals in the game. It was ended up being one nothing, but nonetheless, a very, very entertaining game. Entertaining indeed. Yeah. Did you? Uh, that save, Pepe Reina. You know, I give him a lot of stick because I don't think he. Is good anymore. He, I don't think he's ever really that good. I mean, he made some, he had some good time, good, good games here and there. But uh, the two saves he made on Fazio and and Jekko towards the end of the game to preserve that that shutout, um, he had a very good game. He's, he plays well in big games. I mean, he he still can move around for being you know his ripe old age of upper thirties, whatever he is. Um, I thought he was outstanding, but uh, I'm going to go out in left field with my man of the match for this game. All right. Kaladu Koulibaly. Yeah, well, he, he, sh- he was shutting them he down. He did it again. Another Capocananieri contender in his back pocket. Um, and Jekyll, obviously, you're, like, to your point, had a, had a chance or two here. But by and large, he marshaled that defense. His work ethic was all over the... I think I saw somebody put up Koulibaly's heat map on Twitter, and it was the entire continent of Europe. Um, <laughs> Hopefully it stays like that through uh, yeah. Champions League. Yeah, I hope so. Well, he's got a lot of work to do in Champions League, so um, look, we'll talk about that. His, you look coming to this match, you had the you know the top two scores from Syria last season, and so we're expecting goal fest. Uh, and both guys, both guys got shut down. I mean, um, Mertens, you know, he he was passing a lot more than he you know, he was before, but like you said, Koulibaly just completely shut down Jeko and, and and the Roma attack for the most yep. part. Um, he, all over the place. He he's a stellar defender for sure. Mm-hmm. And this potentially makes Napoli even scarier. They just figured out how to win 1-0 and how to win 1-0 away. Yeah. You know, when we think about Napoli and we think about Maurizio Sarri, we think about a team that, okay, they're going to get you standard three, four goals. They're going to win games, you know, and they'll be fine and more than happy winning 3-2, 4-2. We'll be happy watching them win 3-2, 4-2. But they just won 1-0 and they won 1-0 away. They figured out how to go on, go away and really eke out a result. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what I look, that's what catches my attention here because they weren't dominant in possession. This was a pretty balanced game. Yeah. Um, you know, they generated a few more shots on target than Roma did. All right. But, uh, but when you look at it, when you look at it on the whole, this is a relatively balanced game. 
I thought Roma's best football was in the last 35 minutes of the game. Absolutely. Um, When they kicked on and had a sense of urgency, uh, I thought they really struggled through that first half plus. Um, You know, watching them play, they had a hard time getting some things connected. They had a hard time getting Jekyll fed. Koulibaly had a lot to do with that. Um, You know, and uh, at home putting their stamp on the game. And, you know, to our friend John Solano out there, there's that Roma mentality, you know, uh, big game stage fright and all, all the all the stuff that goes with it. But then you saw in the last 35 minutes, you saw a team that was worthy of getting something out of this game. Um, you just wish you would see that consistently from Roma over a 90-minute period. That's something that Eusebio Di Francesco will still be tasked with trying to fix here. Um, you know, when you talk about when you talk about Roma, uh, you know, we we joke about Daniele De Rossi aside, you know. Uh, but um, the, 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 the team, I mean, moral victory, they held Napoli to one goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that, that's hard enough. Um, but uh, the pieces are still there. Uh, the project is still there. You know, what you don't want to see is that mentality to start creeping in more and more because it was a home loss to Napoli. You'd like to see this team dust themselves off and be ready for Chelsea here in the Champions League and be ready for some of the other fixtures that they've got to tackle. Uh, you know, in the coming weeks, because, um, you know, because I think that they're still in pretty good shape as a, you know, as a team overall, they've got a game in hand. I mean, it's at Sampdoria, which is, you know, whenever they do reschedule that game, it's going to be tough. But you look at Roma right now, uh, after, you know, after they play Chelsea in the Champions League, Torino away, Torino stinks right now. Um, And they're not going to be any better. They don't have Belotti. Uh, Crotone at home, uh, Bologna at home, and yeah, Bologna has been a thorn to some teams, but you know, at the Olympico, Roma should get that done. So there's a chance for them to get themselves right here pretty quick. So, um, but you know, Koulibaly for me, man of the match. Roma don't get too discouraged by this. Um, the last 35 minutes, uh, had that been all 90 minutes, Roma could have conceivably won this game. So, you know. Uh- Something I noticed during the game uh, from Napoli's side, they have this uh, set play where they come in from the midfield, they pass it into, they press it in really hard into the like whoever's the attacking midfielder or the false nine or whoever's in that role, and that person will chip a pass, one-time chip pass over the defense to a streaking player down the wing, and they they did that a few times. And I'm like, ah, I've seen this before, and I've done it in other games. This is a little set set play they do. They just throw it, you, throw it at you during, during a game, and it works every single time. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm sure team, I'm sure uh, when they play uh, uh, Manchester City, they're gonna be able to, you know, pick up on that. But maybe they're not. I mean, it, it's a sneaky play that you, you know, if you're not paying attention uh, to, their, to their tactics and during the game, they'll catch you. They'll catch you quick because uh, they have some speedy guys, and all three of the guys in the front are, are speedy. Uh, Callihan on the right, and Insigne on the left, and you got Mertens wherever he wants to be. Um, so. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a nice play, and I think uh, some uh, some Napoli are uh, they're they're just going full throttle on now. They're what now five points up on Juventus and three points up on Inter. Yep, uh, they are two clear of Inter, two clear uh, of Inter, five clear of Lazio and Juventus. Played eight, one eight. The only thing that I'm very disappointed with with uh, Lazio about um, is that their uh, their goal pace uh, for the season. As we now check in on our uh, goal pace for Napoli, uh, has dropped from 136 to 124. Oh man, slackers! 
Change up. Change it up. What's going on over there? Sorry out. Sorry out. (laughs) (laughs) Bring back Millick. Yeah. Patch him up and get him back out there. Something's clearly not right with Napoli anymore. Hi, James. What are they, Crotone? Yeah, what is this, Empoli? (laughs) Of course, Saudi coached at Empoli before this. I mean, you know, maybe maybe it is. Who knows? I don't know. Um, Anyway, hi, James. (laughs) So... Uh, like he's going to listen to this. He's got better things to do. Uh, all right. <laughs> so moving on, the fourth of the marquee matches. Uh, we're, we're jumping ahead in the actual chronology of what happened in, uh, in Serie A the weekend, but, you know, who cares? Uh, <laughs> we want to do this in order, the, the four games in order of importance first, and then we'll get to the rest. Sampdoria and Atalanta was the under-the-radar, better-than-you-think game with all of the other marquee names going at it. And uh, the game certainly... Didn't disappoint. Uh, Atalanta, you know, having a little bit of an indifferent start to the season, a lot of that attributed to some, some tough opening fixtures. Sampdoria being that uh, pain-in-the-ass team that everybody maybe expected or that the uh, the experts or and people like Richard and myself expected. Um, I'm, I'm saying that we're not experts, Richard, just short of it. So um, Fair assessment. Yes. <laughs> uh so this was a this was a big game, obviously, over at the uh, Stadio Luigi Ferrari in Genoa. Two teams that uh, uh, are really on a roll or under the radar, good, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it was the away team that got things started. Spinazzola, pallone dentro, Cristante, l'Atalanta in vantaggio. Brian Cristante with a, a nice-headed goal, great cross in from Spinazzola, uh, putting the away team ahead, uh, one goal to nil. It would remain that way until halftime, and then the home team turned it up. And uh, maybe this is why Napoli is uh, struggling to score goals lately, because one of the guys they let go is scoring for Sampdoria. Buone il cross dentro, chiuso, ci riprova Zapata! Il pareggio della Sampdoria! Duvan Zapata with the equalizer uh, for Sampdoria, and it would only be three minutes later uh, that the Blucarati would pull ahead. Zapata dentro per Strinic, il cross al centro, colpo di testa e 2 1 Samp all'improvviso Caprari. Gianluca Caprari getting that goal, and then just nine minutes after that, a substitute coming on for Sampdoria in the form of Carlo Linetti. Vuole dare il pallone a Linetti, in area Linetti, il tris della Samp con Carlo Linetti. 3-1 just like that in the space of 12 minutes. That is how it would finish. Marco Giampaolo's man with a game in hand in sixth on 14 points. Um, we, uh, we, we need to just continue to be in awe of the legend that is Marco Giampaolo, don't we, Richard? Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's doing wonders with the Sampdoria team. Last season we thought they were going to be doing what they're doing now. But, um, you know, it, it's a season later and it's fine because uh, – they got even more. It seems like they got so much talent on that team. Young talent too. Torreira, Lenetti, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, Caprari now. Uh, he's really got these guys. It's a, a special group of guys right now, and they're and they're buying in. They're all in right now on him. And like I said, they're in sixth place with a with a game game in hand. So uh, you know, I think Roma are probably the ones who are thinking, "I wish we had played this game back, you know, back early in the season." Because now Sampdoria are, are even better than they were back then. So uh, everyone in everyone in Serie A should be worried about this team. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, you know, Giampaolo pushing the buttons. Uh, Caprari a substitute, putting them ahead. Linetti a substitute, uh, putting them ahead for good. Uh, that really Linetti making goal, some... oh my goodness. That was, oh. uh, his footwork was amazing. 
very well taken. Absolutely. Um, it, uh, you know, Giampaolo, certainly I, I touted last week when we had, when we had Chloe on talking about, I'd love to see him manage the national team. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think that it would be, he would be an ideal guy for that. But, um, I'm sure either that or a big club is, uh, uh, going to be in his calling at some point. Um, you know, but in the meantime, with what he's, in the meantime, with what he's doing at, uh, at Sampdoria, you, you can't help but be impressed with moved on from some players and now plugging guys in and still, uh, uh, still going strong and sitting, sitting sixth and deserving the, uh, deserving the table position. You know, and we thought, we all agreed, we agreed on this when they lost to Udinese. It was a one off and it was just a bad day at the office. Uh, and they have, uh, they've gotten themselves right against a very good team. Do you Yes. Do you start to get concerned here with Atalanta in these Serie A games now? Because this is, you know, the, the, the tougher teams. Say, yeah, they they rallied to draw Juventus, but there's a loss to there's a loss to Napoli in there. There's a you know a loss to Roma in there now. Um, you know, they've played some of the big boys, and you know the five games against teams that I would consider to be you know marquee guys. If you throw in Fiorentina. Just two points from those five games. Does that start to get a little concerning for uh, Gasparini's men? Yeah, just because you're not getting the results. Um, you know, both home and away, especially at home, you you expect to get some kind of results. And yes, you did it against Juventus. You get a, a draw, but still, you know, that's you, you're who, who you're measuring yourself against are these upper teams. And if you can't, you know, eke out results with them, um, that's not a good thing. Two points from what five games? You said. Uh, yeah, you know, we thought the way Atalanta was progressing so far, played, you know, how they beat Everton and, and Drew Leon, you thought that they were, you know, they would be ready for a game like this. And, I mean, all credit goes to Syria too, because Syria has a lot of good teams now. It's not, you know, it's not just one or two teams. There's a, several teams who play very well. And if you're not ready for game, uh, week in and week out, they're going to get you. So maybe they're caught looking ahead for the, for the Europa League. I don't know, but. Um, it's start, it's starting to, you know, worry my, I'm turning a little worried here because you know, Gasparini, who does what works wonders with his players and his teams, um, maybe, maybe Europa League played extra, extra games are starting to get to the team. Maybe they just don't have enough, you know, juice in the tank to complete, compete at the high, highest level possible for them to compete with the top five or six teams, uh, in Syria. I don't know. With all due respect to Apollon Limassol, I don't think that's a team that you know. Man, no. <laughs> you, you look ahead, you look you look past Sampdoria too. So, um, but I mean, they've got those two games in the Europa League, and they've got a they've got a get right fixture list here: Bologna at home, Verona at home, and then Udinese away are their next three. Um, you know, so a chance for them to start um, catching back up, picking up some points, and getting themselves back up on the table. The Bologna game is going to be a good one uh, next week uh, with with their form and how they've been playing, but. But on an Udinese, you got to think they could get six points out of that. Yeah. Uh, the way that those teams are running, four for sure. The game at Udinese might be tricky for them, uh, but uh, nonetheless, um, you know, nonetheless, I think a chance for them to maybe get a little bit of upward mobility now. Uh, you know, five very difficult opponents right off the bat, and just getting two points from that can't be encouraging. But the nice thing is, the schedule will start to soften, a chance to accumulate some points and start working your way back up the table if you're Atalanta. So. So those were the big ones. Uh, what's the next one you got? Uh, we had a team that we were actually focusing on last week, which is Fiorentina, when we had Chloe Bersford on. The Darby uh, Della, the Darby Della, Chloe V. Sonia. That's right. That's right. For lack of a better uh, description. <laughs> I missed all the chat on Twitter, so and I, I, I don't know if you got to see it. Um, so yeah, it was Fiorentina against Udinese. Uh, it was played in Firenze, home home to Fiorentina. 
this was an interesting matchup. It was uh, Cyril Thoreau's first game against his former team. Uh, you wonder how he would fare in the matchup. The game pretty, you know, started off fairly well. Fiorentina, you know, dominated possession as expected. Uh, that man we just mentioned, Cyril Thoreau, uh, got on the score sheet right away in the 28th minute. Chiesa. Finta il cross, rientra sul sinistro, palla dentro per Simeone, Thoreau! Questa volta è buono il gol della Fiorentina, il gol dell'ex di Cyril Thoreau! And he gave uh, Fiorentina the nice 1-0 lead. Uh, you know, both teams getting a lot of chances. Uh, young Giovanni Simeone had had a couple opportunities with his head, uh, just you know, just getting saved by 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 the goaltender from Udinese. Uh, the game would go into halftime one zero. Uh, coming out the second half, uh, you know, I didn't mention this before, but you know, when Cyril Toro scored, I was wondering if he was gonna not celebrate. He did celebrate a little bit, so uh, maybe he didn't he didn't fancy his time at Udinese too much, even though he was becoming a cult figure there, huh? Yeah, it's uh. You know, that's a narrative game, and it's always different. You know, you, earlier you had Federico, but you talked about Federico Bernardeschi. If he, you know, got to play Juventus and a chance to take a penalty, that he would take a penalty, uh, you know, yeah. against against Fiorentina. Um, and probably even, uh, uh, you you know, the... Uh, um, it's, it's you know, everybody looks at things differently. If you didn't like your time at a club, then yeah, you'll celebrate it. If, yeah. if if the club meant a lot to you, you'll you you won't uh, you won't celebrate. It's just the way it is. So, well, so. that man, you know, obviously he got a he 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 has a gold scoring touch. He's a solid player. He's what 32, 33 years old, but he can he always scores and he popped up again in the fifty seventh minute. Carica il destro, ribattuta da Pizzarri e poi Terò. 2-0 Fiorentina. Ancora una volta l'ex di questa partita. Cyril Terò. He got his brace to give Fiorentina the two nothing lead, and all things were looking peachy for uh, Fiorentina. And then Samir came in in the 72nd minute, got a nice goal, made it 2-1. Uh, opportunities to go both ways, uh, you know, not too much excitement from there. I mean, it was a very well-balanced game. I mean, I like what Fiorentina were doing in the game. Ultimately, uh, they did finish and win the game 2-0. As expected, Fiorentina had dominated possession. 2-1. 2-1, sorry. Yeah, they um, had 58% of possession, you know, they forced three saves out of Udinese's keeper, but, you know, ultimately they had 11 shots, uh, eight on target. You know, good game for Fiorentina, good bounce back. You know, they're starting to get some uh, little roll going here. So let's uh, let's see how they keep going. I mean, Udinese, that we knew it was a one-off last week against Sampdoria, so uh, we couldn't expect them to do that two weeks in a row, could we? No, we couldn't. It was uh, it was going to be difficult going to a Fiorentina team that's getting a lot better. Um and that's it, it. I mean, this is this is what we probably expected out of this game. Fiorentina were favored, uh, carried out the three points. Udinese, you know, still really treading water uh, with a lot of young, uh, you know, younger players. Uh, you know, really trying to uh, recover from all of the play, you know from the players they lost last season. Really, you know, kind of sitting in that, you know, Syria purgatory, if you will. Um, yeah. You know, and and, and they're just going to be stuck there and. You know, games are going to just be this way for the Zabretta. But uh, three points for Fiorentina, three that uh, certainly they, they were expected to get. So uh, good on them. And uh looks like uh, Pioli's project is uh, starting to clip along a little bit. Absolutely. Um, moving on, we had uh, Bologna against Spal, a local derby uh, for the first time in 50 years being played at in Serie A. Uh, Regionally, uh, a, a regional derby of sorts. Uh, Spal is in Ferrara, 
Um, but uh, the, the the towns are not too far from each other. So, uh, but 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 considered a derby nonetheless. Uh, and uh, Bologna would open the scoring on the half hour. It was a former Milan man doing the work. Il destro, Palacio, di testa, vale mezzo rete, Poli, il vantaggio del Bologna, azione meravigliosa. A uh, nice bit of work on this goal. It was a uh, cross into uh, Rodrigo Palacio, who headed down into the path of Andrea Poli, who finished. That would put Bologna ahead by a goal to nil. It would remain that way for halftime. It would be a Bartosz Salomon own goal uh, for Spall on 49 minutes. Uh, that would double Bologna's lead by two goals to nil. Uh, the newcomers would get a consolation with two minutes to go. One of the nicer goals of the weekend by Mirko Antonucci. Uh, on the 88th minute, uh, this gives Bologna another three points. Uh, don't look now, but Bologna's in seventh, Richard. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I thought they were gonna. I thought Donadoni was gonna be the first guys to be axed, and he's quietly got them in seventh place. It's uh, quite a shock to me. I don't know about you, but uh, for me, I'm I, I'm good. I'm happy to see this actually. Another one of these, uh, you know, manager of the early manager of the year candidates, Roberto Donadoni, doing a lot with. Uh, what he's been giving. So uh, absolutely impressive stuff from him. Um, you know, we have been kind of picking on Bologna when we look at the fixtures, when we, when we look at the fixture list of some of these other teams and mention that Bologna's on the slate because it gets brutal for them at Atalanta, Lazio at home, and then Roma away for them. We're going to find out what this team is really made of. I, you know, clearly with the team that they've got, you can't expect Bologna to sustain a top half place uh, after these three games, you might see them in the 12th or 13th region once it's all said and done. So, um, me personally, not, not, not terribly optimistic about their prospects over the next few weeks. What about you? Yeah, it looks, it looks very daunting for sure. Um, you know, if they come away with any kind of points, I think that's going to be a win <laughs> for them, but yeah, it's, it's tough, but you know, Hey, you put yourself in a good position right now, so where if you do get a little bit of a dip in a few games, you can hopefully write it out and stay mid table, if not higher. So um, let's see, let's see what they can do. I mean, maybe they can surprise us. They surprised us so far this season. So let's see. Let's uh, not fully count them out just yet. Yeah, Spall just—they are what they are right now. Uh, you know, great start. Still going to bother some people with the way they play, but uh, you know, this one getting away from them, and uh, lo and behold, with all of the results today, they sit in the drop. Uh, for the first time this season. Hey, isn't uh, Bartos Salomon also a former Milan player? No. Like, no, he wasn't? He was courted by Milan, I thought, at one point. He was a former... Oh, uh, he was with Sampdoria. Oh, okay. Who's the guy uh, from Arsenal that Milan ultimately got in defense? You remember that guy? Oh, uh, Sandros. Ah, that's who it is. Okay, okay. Yeah, I got him confused with him. Okay. Why, uh, are, you bringing, why are you bringing him up? What are, you doing? what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing to me? The hell are you doing? <laughs> Everybody's now going to turn the pot off after that. <laughs> Arsenal fans are turning on. We got to get to the Sassuolo Kiovo game. Everybody's going to be. Everybody's going to be. Everybody's like on pins and needles waiting to hear our recap on that. And then look what you're doing, bringing up Philippe Senderos. Well, before yeah. we get to that game, we got another game we got to get to. It's Crotone against Torino. Oh, uh, yeah. That that game I thought would have been you know no Belotti, but you know we thought a lot of goals. Well, I thought a lot of goals would be scored. Um, we weren't too far off. Uh, Crotone were the home team at the Ezioshida and Crotone. Uh, again, a, a name that we've uh, we've said of quite a few times so far in the last couple of seasons um, popped up in the 25th minute. Cerca Rodien che si è spostato a sinistra. Attenzione a Rodien. Prova con il destro. 
e porta in vantaggio il Crotone il gol di Marcus Rodien Marcus Rodin with a nice goal to give Crotone the shock lead 1-0 over, over Torino uh, Torino they're not known as a defensive team are they Frank? No, they're not. I, I said in my blog, I said, here's what we've learned about Torino. The defense still stinks. Um, so it, it should be, if Cotone was going to get fat and happy on goals, this was a good team to do it against. Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, Cotone would hold the lead into the first half, but it didn't, t- it didn't last very long. In the 53rd minute, a name we've said numerous amount of times this season has popped up and scored to tie the game. Murato, Iago con il sinistro! E arriva il pareggio del Toro dopo otto minuti! Iago Falque with the Oh, nice, what a bang that was, huh? What a goal. And when, when that went in, I thought, here we go. So, yeah, when Iago Falque scored, I for sure thought, you know, here's Torino. They're, they're back on the foot. They're going get to the, get the lead. They're going to win the game. But just 10 minutes later, actually 11 minutes later, Crotone got the goal. Tocco dentro per Simi che riesce a controllare. Palla fuori e gol! Il gol della Crotone, 2-1! Bruno Martella with a nice goal to give Crotone a 2-1 to lead. And what is going on in Torino? They're losing to Crotone. Oh, I, was, yeah, go ahead. I know. It was, uh, you know, I, we, we say that we, we, we talked on our pod a few weeks ago that Crotone is this year's Empoli, and all of a sudden they're scoring goals. <laughs> so, we, for like, sure, uh, we thought this, they're going to be this year's uh, Empoli or whatever, not scoring goals. And uh, like you said, they, they, ever since that, ever since we made that mark, they've been scoring at least two goals a game. It seems every 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 time out. I think just, they just wait for me to talk shit about them, and then they start playing. I think it's <laughs> every player, every player or team we've talked about next week they're going to performed. Because last year we said, well, let's see, are they going to get ten points, and then they survive, they get, and then they and then they survive. So they're just wait, they're just waiting for the Serie A sit down to say something about them before they get going. <laughs> so uh, and then, well, the game say two one into the ninetieth minute, and then into stoppage time, everything looked great for Crotone, and then in the nine in the ninetieth minute plus two minutes of stoppage time, Lorenzo Di Silvestri scored to tie the game for Torino. Parte l'angolo di Baselli, colpo di testa e gol di Lolo De Silvestri che trova il gol del 2 a 2 al minuto 92. Torino came away with a draw 2-2 at Crotone. Was this a little bit of misfortune for Crotone or good luck for Torino? <sighs> a bit of both. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Torino's going to have some problems now because and we talked about last season with their their high table position, they finished top half you know, I, and we talked about Torino being a team that conceded so damn much that no team was more dependent on their strikers' goals than Torino. You know, Torino with Belotti. You know, and you could last season you could probably make the case for Inter with Icardi as well. You know, maybe being a close second, but uh, without um, without Belotti in that lineup, it's going to be hard for Torino to sustain anything. Uh, and you know, Chloe. And I predicted it last week. We said the team who's in the table position that flatters them, Torino. And uh, naturally, you know, looking at their slate of games over, you know, they've got to go. They've got they've got Roma coming. Then they go to Fiorentina. I don't see how they get points in those games. Um, you know, you've got Roma who play who's playing really well. You've got Fiorentina, um, who is getting better. Their only saving grace for getting any points is if Roma come off that Chelsea game here at midweek. Uh, you know, a little, uh, a little leggy, uh, you know, and maybe can't put it together to play, 
uh, you know, to play at Torino. Uh, that might be the only opportunity for them. But, uh, you know, as far as Crotone is concerned, good on them. Uh, pity that they dropped two points because in the scheme of things, if they're trying to, you know, survive and make it for a un unthought of uh, third season in Serie A, this is one where those extra two points could have been useful. Uh, so they could have yeah, done without yeah. conceding that goal late. So uh, a little bit unlucky for Cotone, a little fortunate for Torino, but, you know, in the end, uh, an entertaining game, and, and, and maybe 2-2 was the right result for both teams. Yeah, yeah. At least nobody lost, I guess, for both teams can look at it that way. So on to that thrilling game that had everybody at the edge of their seat, Sassuolo and Chievo in an era of Serie A where there's goals. There's 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 brilliant attacking play. There's a there's attacking. There's combinations. There's all this lovely stuff. There's interpassing at the Mape Stadium. We got none of that. <laughs> nil nil. Thanks guys. I hope you're going to refund everybody. I hope you refund the money to everybody who went to that game. You know, look at even the stats. My goodness. Uh, total shots. Sassuolo had 13 shots. I'll give them credit for that. Okay. Uh, but only four of them were on target, and Kiev only had four on target. But this looked like, and you look at the possession, totally balanced. This was a game of, you take the ball. No, you take the ball. No, you. I don't want it. You take it. I don't, I don't want, want it. it. I don't want to talk about this game. Can we not talk about this game? Yeah. I'm so furious. I am so furious with Sassuolo right now. I had such high expectations for them uh, this season, and they just are letting me down game after game. They're, they're, they're sitting in 17th. They're sitting in bed is what they're doing. They are. They're shitting the bed. That's a great way to put it. Uh, just, ugh, ugh, that's, uh, we don't need to talk about that. Let's move on. Let's move, let's, let's move on to a game that had a little bit more goals. Actually, it had a lot more goals, actually. And it, it's not a game that, it's not the sexy pick of the week, but it was very entertaining. It was Cagliari hosting Genoa. Uh, this game had goals for sure. Game, goals started out in the eighth minute when Andre Galabinov popped up to give Genoa the one nothing lead. Hey, Frank, you mentioned about Genoa. we a team that we're going to be on the rise. Uh, they, stay, they showed up today, didn't they? They sure did. Um, I said in my blog, I mean, if, you, if you go to the Galcho Consultant on World Football Index, you'll have a look at what you learned from or what I learned from each team after the first seven match weeks and what you can expect going forward. Coming into this week, Genoa was 19th. But when you look at all of their games, they were in every one of their games. Um, you know, they have a very good goalkeeper in Mattia Perrin. Uh, you know, they have some decent pieces in their attack. Uh, they have the young, uh, wonder kid in Pietro Pellegri, um, Adel Trapt, who Richard will talk about here in a little bit. Um, you know, among, uh, you, you know, among some other pieces, the pieces are there for Genoa to be a decent team, you know, and be a mid table team. Uh, and the light bulb went out, to, went off today finally. Uh, and it was, uh, it was finally good to see from them. Yeah. And, you know, right on cue, you're talking about the players that, uh, that Genoa have. In the 35th minute, one of those players would give would double the lead for Genoa. Adele Tarap would give Genoa the 2-0 lead, and Genoa is scoring goals on the road. What is going on? Last season, they were, they were pretty good at home, but on the road, they were god-awful. Well, they're playing Cagliari. They're playing Cagliari, so that's, that's some of it. So Yeah, but last year, they couldn't do that against Cagliari. Uh, so it's good to see from Genoa for sure. They took a 2 nothing lead going into halftime. Um, so everything looked good for Genoa going to that front. And then, you know, the goals I hate the most are goals right after halftime. And you're, you're going in and good, feeling great about yourself. You've got momentum. And then an early goal can put all that to bed and can put actually your team in, in trouble If you, uh, in, in most cases. Um, in this case, 
Uh, in the 48th minute, Leonardo Pavoletti stepped up and gave Cagliari a, a cut the lead just by one. Um, it got very close there. You know, Cagliari had their opportunities to tie the game, but then in the 75th minute, up stepped Luca Regoni, give Genoa a 3-1 lead. Um, that that score would not stay at that. <laughs> wouldn't stay there for very long. Uh, just four minutes later. Jao Pedro would score on a penalty that would make it 3-2 to two in favor of Genoa. Unfortunately, that was the last of the goals of the game, but uh, it was very entertaining back and forth. Uh, if you look at the uh, possession, you know, Cagliari did have more, more of the possession. Genoa had more of the shots. It was 18 shots to 13 shots. Um, both teams, it's, you know, if you look at the stats, it's fairly even across the board. Crosses, corner kicks, fouls. Um, Cagliari had two yellows, if, if anyone cares, but... Um, it was a good game. I would not expect it from these two teams, a 3-2 scoreline, but yeah, hey, this is why you play the games, right? First win of the season for Genoa and for Ivan Juric. He gets to keep the house for a few more days, so that's good. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, but this has been coming for Genoa, you know, and it was uh, it was just going to be a matter of time. They've been knocking on the door. Um, you know, they had been unlucky in a lot of games, uh, snake bit even. Uh, so, you know, certainly... Um, Certainly nice to see them finally get off the uh, off the schneid, if you will, and uh, come away with a come away with a come away with a win here. Get that first win of the season. Uh, so uh, you know, as for Calgary, you know we're we're looking at another one of these mid-table teams that uh, they'll show up and surprise somebody someday, and then they'll show up and do what they did today. So yeah. uh, you know, yeah. it's just going to be one of those things. They're going to be they're going to be one of those teams that they're going to be a fun neutral watch just because they have they you know they have still trying to figure it out defensively but they still they have some nice pieces going forward Pavoletti scoring again for them uh Joao Pedro um a guy that Calgary might make some money off of here in the offseason potentially uh looks a decent looks a decent player for them uh and then obviously we've talked about Barella before as well um so uh certainly um certainly can can be uh happy for Genoa here at this point you know but two teams that uh is going to be just their their games are just going to be entertaining there's going to be goals and there's going to be multiple goals in all of their games just the way it's going to be yeah, uh and yeah. this might just be the start for Genoa certainly looking forward to what they can do next so and to that's nine games. The tenth game is actually going to be played on Monday. And hold on to your hats. We have nineteenth against twentieth. Hellas <laughs> Verona against Benevento. Is this the game, Richard, where Benevento finally get a point? What do you think? We'll be lucky if this game gets a goal. Um, the way this, I mean, I, I hope Benevento wins. I, I hope a good game. I just want to see a good game. I don't want to see a Sassuolo Chievo game or zero zero. But this this has all the makings of that game. So hopefully one of these teams proves us wrong and it's a five four game or something crazy. But I think this is a perfect opportunity for Benevento to get a game to get a win. Uh that they're very familiar with Hellas Verona from last season uh in Serie B. So, you know, this is as good as opportunity as any other as any this season. Uh Spall may be a little bit too far bridged across for both for both these clubs uh to get wins against. So, you know, I I fully expect a very entertaining game tomorrow. What do you think? I, I think they're going to go for it. I think both of these teams are going to go for it. I just think that because they're both so calamitous defensively, 
that this is going to be actually an, an entertaining game. Um, I, I look at how Verona fought, fought back going into the break against Torino, going into the international break against Torino, and I look at the experience they have on that team, and I see them, and I say, I, I, I don't see Benevento getting anything out of this game. I think Verona's going to win this one. I'm going to go 2-1 two, one, two, uh, one. to, to Verona. Yeah. Uh, I, it's not going to be pretty to watch, um, but it will be a, it'll be three points for Verona, um, and it will put them uh, it'll put them outside of the drop temporarily, actually, three points for them. Huh. Uh, so, um, so that's the motivation for them, uh, you know, at this point. So, uh, so Verona 2-1, it will be ugly. If you watch, it's because you are a diehard Serie A fan. Um, I'll probably have my eye on the highlights at, the, at best, but uh, that's, that, that, that's where I'm going to go with that, That's where I'm going to go on this one. Verona will win. So, just because Benevento hasn't shown they can win, can even fight for a point at this point. So I'm going to say zero zero draw. Unfortunately, you're going to say zero zero draw. One team has no. conceded. One team has conceded. Uh, one team has conceded 16 goals. The other has conceded 18 goals in their first seven games. And you're going to say it's going to be nil nil. They get the first shutout. <laughs> I hope well, it's not. You nailed. You nailed. Not. You nailed Lazio, the the Juve Lazio score. So. I won't put it. I won't put that possibility past. So. One of the few times I'm hoping I'm wrong. <laughs> Indeed. So the table shakes out with Napoli played eight one eight Inter on you know they, they so Napoli on twenty four Inter twenty two Lazio nineteen Juventus nineteen that's at the top uh, at the bottom Benevento yet to get a point Verona three Spal Sassuolo Genoa each with five Crotone Udinese Cagliari with six so. Lots of football left to be played, and we just had this whole diatribe about Milan and trying to tell Milan fans it's only been eight games to your team with, with the table position, whether you're happy, sad, or whatever. It's only been eight games. This is a long way to go. So, um, but uh, we're we're learning some things, uh, you know, about these teams as we go. It's been very entertaining, like we said, 28 goals. Uh, so much, uh, certainly much, uh, uh, still to be uncovered here as we. Uh, as we get through this season. So your thoughts on this, uh, this weekend slate, uh, go to at Serie sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's uh, jump into a quick preview of Serie in Europe. All right, Richard, we are back among the European competitions. The UEFA champions league will be front and center, uh, match day three. We have, uh, uh, our Serie A sides in action. Uh, we have uh, one of them uh, taking off on Tuesday. They are that is Napoli. Oh, giddy up! They're going to the city of Manchester Stadium to take on Manchester City. When this draw happened, did everybody just take their hands and just rub them together in anticipation? I hope so. And if you're intelligent, you would have. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Napoli is, is such a brilliant team to watch. And Manchester City, they can score. I mean, you saw what they, they did last year against Monaco. Uh, that was a barn burner. So I fully expect another one of those uh, should be a goal fest. It better be a goal fest. I, I see goals in this game. I really do. I think that um, I think that you see I, – I, I, I think this is going to be a multiple goal game. I'm going to say that this is going to be a 2-2 draw. Um, I think that – Sadi, hopefully, he's an intelligent enough manager to have learned from his shortcomings when they went to Shakhtar Donetsk. 
uh, and underachieved in a road game, a difficult road game, hard to go to the Ukraine and get anything. Um, but I think this is a 2-2. I'm going to go 2-2 on this one uh, at Manchester City. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. It could end up being 4-4, but I'll, be, I'll play it safe and say 2-2. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good scoreline there. I think it'll also be 2-2. I think Manchester City will get a, get a one late and uh, get the get the result they want to, you know, you want you don't want you want to obviously win at home, but if you can at least get a draw uh, against a quality opponent like Napoli, I think that's what's going to happen. So I think Napoli are going to do well on the road. Um and hopefully this is a sign of things to come for Napoli for the rest of the Champions League that they get results on the road not only at, not only at home but also on the road. The keys for Napoli for me are um, this is going to be a fight. Both teams just both teams try to play possession attacking football, so it's going to be a fight for possession. I think the midfield is where it's going to be key, and not just necessarily the playmaking midfielders, but the dirty work type midfielders. I think they were they're going to be the underappreciated bunch in this. And if Pep comes out with just Fernandinho uh, protecting a back four. Napoli's going to love that. Yes, um, I, I, that's just that's just what I truly believe. Um, I think that the combination of Hamšík, okay, he might have a little bit more freedom, but Alan, oh, if he if he even plays half, if he was even half the man that he was against, because that's another guy we forgot to talk about in that Roma Napoli game. I said Koulibaly was a man of the match, but Alan was a beast. If he comes out and does that again on Tuesday, uh, you know. David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne might find it a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and if Jorginho can have some freedom, uh, you know, to do the things that he's been doing and the success that he's had so far, you know, the team, the, 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 the team that can win in the midfield is going to win this game because we know the attacking guy, players on each team are going to be able to create their chances. Um, you know, the other thing that I think Napoli has to key in on, be organized on your sets defensively, um, especially on corners, Okay. This is not a Manchester City team that strikes me as somebody that should score on Napoli on set pieces. Okay, the the, the threats in those situations are John Stones um, and uh, Nicholas Altamendi. Um, Gabriel Jesus does not strike me as an aerial guy. Uh, you know, some of the guys that they're going to be able to trot out there. I don't know if Aguero is going to play or not. I know he was on the bench uh, on Saturday, but for me, those are the two key things for Napoli: win the midfield and. Be very organized on on your set pieces defensively. You can do those couple of things. You can get that result. I don't think Napoli are going to go there and win, but a two two draw is not out of the question for the Partizan thing. Yeah, and I, I think you hit, hit the nail the, hit the nail on the head uh, to win this game or get a result in this game. Then it's going to come from the midfield, and yep. what Napoli's in midfield are capable of uh, should see them get some goals in this game. I mean, Hamsik, just him alone pulling the strings, and not to mention Alan. Uh, Jorginho, you get, if you got Zelensky playing or you got Diawara playing, whoever, ha- whoever else you have in the midfield, um, you know, ultimately it's going to be Hamstick pulling the strings and he seems to play big, play well in these big games. Um, so hopefully the rest of his, his, his teammates there in the midfield can help, you know, support him and, and get those goals for Napoli. Cause once you feed those three, top three, uh, top three guys, uh, Insigne, Callejon and Mertens, um, if you give them an opportunity, they're gonna they're gonna score. And Mertens had Mertens did pretty well against the Real Madrid last season. You know he didn't score, but he had many opportunities. So I, I see him getting a lot of opportunities in this game as well. And give Fauzi Gulam some help on that side, please. Uh, yeah, you got Walker bombing forward. You're gonna have uh, they're gonna have a right winger there. De Bruyne is gonna be in there. You know, 
if they can defensively somehow shift and do some things there, you know, because there's going to be periods where they're not going to have possession of the ball. And, and Gulam strikes me as the kind of guy that Pep's going to take a look at and say, we need to go at him. Um, you know, so I think that that's the other one. So, but I think this game comes out too, too. I think this is going to be a spectacle and I'm excited about it. So, um, Getting into Wednesday, two games fe featuring Serie A teams and their big ones. Uh, Group C sees Roma heading to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea. Um, this one's a tricky one. Chelsea have six points. Uh, Roma have four. They went to Karabag and, and, and sweated out that 2-1 win. They had that brave draw at Atletico. Um, I don't like it. I don't like watching Roma having to go to Stamford Bridge playing Chelsea with Chelsea coming off a bad loss. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, much as I want to see Roma get something out of this, I'm going to say Chelsea are going to win this game 3-1. What do you think? Ooh, 3-1. Um, I mean, it, it really depends, uh, sadly, on Chelsea. Uh, what kind of team are they? If if they're a team like you said, they were going to be angry at the result from losing to or losing to Crystal Palace over the weekend. They're going to win three one for sure, if not more. Um, but if this team isn't as good as advertised, you know maybe this maybe the team is in a little bit of dip of form right now. Maybe Roma can catch them with a with a draw. Uh, I'm going to go with two one Chelsea just because I think just like you that they're going to be uh, angry about that loss to Crystal Palace. You know, as a team that you think you should win against and you don't. Um, you see, and you see your you know, two rivals ahead of you getting victories and pulling further away from you. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit angry, and I think they're going to find some way to to win at home. So I'm going to go two one Chelsea. I the things that Roma will have going for them: Morata's out, uh, and Golokante's out. Yep. Uh, and and Crystal Palace were able to exploit a few things without both of those guys there. Michi Batshuayi. Um, He's either going to pop up and score a brace in this game, or he is going to be absent altogether uh, with the presence of guys like, you know, and, and, and we'll see what Di Francesco, how he, how he sorts this out between Manolas, uh, Jesus, and Fazio, which, which to play. And I think that one of them was hurt, wasn't it? Manolas had to come off in the Napoli game, didn't he? Uh, I believe that's what it was. Yeah, so he may not even be available. So um, we'll see what happens here. But, I mean, they have at least that going for them, but... Uh, you know, I think Chelsea, you know, I think it's a game where Hazard, a guy like Hazard steps up. Um, you know, Pedro didn't feature in the game on Saturday, and I would imagine they're going to use him here. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't see this being a positive thing for Roma, unfortunately. Um, and then finally, in Group D at the Juventus Stadium, Juventus in a bigger-than-you-think game. Uh, at home against Sporting Lisbon. Uh, both of these teams are on three points in that group. Uh, Juventus having the benefit of beating Olympiacos at home on uh, match day two. Uh, Sporting Lisbon winning against Olympiacos as well uh, and beating them in Greece, but then at home against Barcelona pushing them, and it took a Cortes own goal uh, for Barcelona to win that game 1-0. Yeah. Uh, this is an up-and-coming, this is a upstart sporting lisbon team and uh you know part of me i i think this is a an opportunity for juventus to get it right after the disappointing game against lazio but boy this is going to be this is going to be a tricky one for juventus isn't it yeah um if you if you if you are foolish enough to overlook sporting lisbon then you're going to be in you're going to come away with a loss a second loss in a row at the jays 
Um, and I don't think you're very going to be one of those teams to overlook them. I mean, they better not. I mean, I don't see Allegri doing that. Allegri is pretty good about that, especially in Champions League. Um, Sporting is a very good team. Portuguese teams in general tend to be good in Champions League. And, and this year in particular, it seems like Sporting they have something about them that they're getting results when they're not expected to. Um, it's definitely going to be a super, super tricky affair. Um, do you think Juve is going to come away with winning this? I like them to win still. Um, the thing that I think that'll work for them, I mean, Immobile is a real pain in the ass to deal with with the way he runs and some of the things that he does off the ball uh, and, and, and clearly the form that he's in. And between Saidu Dumbia and Bas Dost, whichever one starts for Sporting Lisbon, they're not Thierry Immobile. Um, no. no. And, 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 and only one of them are going to start and they're going to be pretty easy to deal with. It's what you do about those wide guys. Uh, Acuna is really good. So is Jelson Martins. Uh, Bruno Fernandes is going to be very familiar with Juventus mm-hmm. uh, after his time at Sampdoria. So it's those playmaking guys that could get a little bit tricky. And, you know, the risk is if, you know, they the risk is that they could potentially overrun Juventus's midfield in this game. I don't think they will do it to the degree that Real Madrid did in the final. No. I don't, you know, I'm not all of a sudden calling these guys, you know, Casemiro and Kroos and Modric. Um, but there, there's enough... There's enough talent there to make this very uncomfortable for Juventus. I think they're going to rely on their experience here. I think they're going to rely on their know-how. And, and they've been good against Portuguese teams in the past. Uh, so I'm going to go 1-0 to Juve. I think they're going to nick this. Hmm. Wow. Um, you know, names like Dombia. Dombia was a, as a, as a goal scorer. Well, he was a goal scorer. He's, he's getting up there now. He's not as good as he used to be when he was in, in Russia. Um, Bas Dos, I love saying the name, but he also was a good goal scorer back in the day in, when playing in Germany, not so much anymore. Um, I, I, I'm leaning the same way you are, and I think Juve is going to be angry at losing at home to Lazio, and I don't see them losing two in a row. Um, I fully expect the, the team to play much better with a little bit more of a fire, and I, and I think the Bala is going to have a much better game than he did against Lazio. Uh, I, I see Juve coming away with a 2 nothing win. A, a, not an easy win. It'll be a hard 2 nothing win, but they'll win 2 nothing. I think. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough. So that's what we think as far as the Champions League. Uh, go to at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let us know who you think are going to win uh, in those Champions League games. Real quick on the Europa League. Uh, in Group D, you have Milan at home against AEK Athens. In Group E, you have Atalanta at home against Apollon. Uh, our Italian teams there uh, should find it pretty comfortable in each game, shouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, and also don't forget about Nice and Lazio as well. That's going to be the, the game of the Italians for the Italian. Yeah, I was, I was working on it, you know. Oh, I just wanted to get the, I'm just trying to get the easy ones out of the way here, Richard. Come on now. <laughs> All right. Well, those other two games definitely they're not they're going to be they should win those games, but it might be trickier than they expected, especially if uh, we'll see how Milan comes. Milan, both Milan and Atalanta come away from those uh, losses this weekend how they come back. So I fully expect both of them to come back with wins. Nice against Lazio. Uh, now, this is one of those where Lazio can look at this and, and say, all right, we've got six points. Nice has six points. If we take care of business in our other games here, um, if we take care of business in our other games uh, in this in this Europa League, we should be fine. Uh, I could conceivably see them changing this up a bit going to France uh knowing that they're trying to keep pace in City. Yeah, this is one of those games it's like okay, we're in a good spot right now. You know, 
I don't. I don't know if Inzaghi's going to totally put out his best team. I, I think uh, Caicedo's going to start over Immobile, for example. Um, you know, I, I and I think for those reasons, I think Nice are going to win this game. Um, and uh, and I'll go with two one. Now, if Inzaghi decides to field his strongest team, I'll say it's a draw. But if you start seeing, um, you know, Immobile's out uh, and Caicedo's in, for example, uh, and you start seeing some of those telltale signs that. You know, he's not going to prioritize this particular game, even though he is going to prioritize qualification. Um, I, I think Nice will win this game. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know, how, do, how are you looking at this one? Um, I, I, I kind of feel like the way you do that they're not, you know, Nzagi's not going to fill his, his A team. He's probably going to fill out his uh, B team, or, if you will. Um, and I think these are going to take advantage of that, you know, probably have a lead going into late in the game. And I think some of the, the regulars are going to come back into the game. I think you'll probably see Immobile late. And Lazio probably, I think, come away with a draw ultimately. Um, but I think, you know, like you said, they're not going to, it's not going to be a victory because I think they're going to be resting a lot of guys because they're, they're happy where they're at in Serie A right now. And they're trying to keep pace with, with the big boys there. So it's, they're going to, you see their focus. I think their focus is Serie A more than Europa League right now. Now, sure. it's deeper, deeper into the season, deeper into the playoffs, and then it might shift to more equal both ways. But uh, for right now, I think they're just focusing on Syria. So I'm with you at least with the with the substitutes, and it'll be a tight game for sure. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm gonna go with the draw. I'll say one one. One one. Okay. Yeah. I, yep. I uh, I'm gonna go with Nice winning. I think Lazio will feel the weakened side on Thursday. I think they're gonna look at their group position and say we're fine. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world if we don't win this game. Um. And we'll uh, we'll go on we'll go on with um, you know we'll go on with this squad we'll we'll try to make the most of it and uh, so for that reason I think Nice will win so for the record we've got uh, uh, for the record we've got Napoli I've got Napoli drawing okay yep um, I've got Roma losing and I've got Juve winning I've got Milan and Atalanta winning and I've got Lazio losing. I've got okay. the same except for I got Lazio drawing against Nice. Okay. So you got a Napoli draw, a Roma loss, Juve, Milan, Atalanta all winning, and you're going to go Lazio draw. Yes. Okay. okay. Sounds good. We'll check back on next week's pod and see how we did. So, so um, your thoughts on the Europa League games coming up at Serie A sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. And with that, uh, real quick before we put a bow on this, Richard, Napoli and Inter, the big one next week, uh, give us a score. Ooh, who's who's home? Napoli. Napoli is home. Oh man, um, three two Napoli. Oh gosh, I think Napoli are going to wipe the floor with Inter. Do you? Uh, yeah, I, 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 this Inter team has found ways to win. It's it's one of those situations where they have found ways to win, and good for them for winning this derby. But I think they're going to get tagged. Um, I I'm going to go four one to Napoli. Ooh, four one. Yep, yep. Uh, I'm gonna put we'll myself see. out there. Napoli four, Inter one. So either way, uh, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of goals are gonna happen. So yeah, it's gonna be it, there'll be some attacking, that's for sure. So um, all right, so uh, we're putting ourselves on the spot there. So with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down. Time for a check of social media and a shameless plug. Richard, we'll start with you. You can find me at r underscore carmen k h a r m a n, um, and that's I don't have really anything, anything to plug right now. Just plug in your blog because that thing was good. Everyone needs to read it. Read it now. Read it again. 
Thank you very much. Yes, at FTC underscore 21 is where you can find me on Twitter, the blog, the Calcio Consultant. You can find that at you can find that on www.worldfootballindex.com, what Richard's referring to, my most recent piece, uh, getting to know the teams, what we've learned after match week seven, after seven match weeks and what we might expect. Uh, so far, pretty good from what I put in the what we might expect. Uh, some are making me look bad. Some are making me look pretty good, like Genoa. So, um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's a long, long way to go. So uh, I don't have anything immediately to plug, but I'm sure something will come out. Uh, something will pop into my head as far as uh, putting out. Um, I am toying around with the idea of the next wave of good Italian of Italian managers ready for the big time because there are a few of them in this league uh, that deserve some props. So I think that I'm going to do a piece on that. So uh, do look out for uh, my take on those managers. So, um, And with that, uh, we want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to us at Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. If you've got questions or want us to cover anything, uh, we'd be certainly happy to cover that for you on a future pod. In the meantime, thanks for taking the time to listen to us. As always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Thank you.